So, welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, the Rockin' Life After Divorce. I am so pleased that you're tuning in and listening to uh, this podcast episode uh, where I'm interviewing Yannick Beasley. And I've been practicing this name here, so it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get it down. So I just got to know Janique, and uh, I just wanted to say welcome to this episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting. I really love interviewing people, and I'm kind of like a d- detective, and I, I really think it's an awesome way to get to know people and, and discover different scenarios. And the podcast is about helping people that are going mm-hmm. through a divorce or have gone through a divorce because I hear all these stories. My, myself, like I went through a divorce five years ago and uh, it was the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my whole life. And uh, it was mm-hmm. thanks to having people around me, friends and also a counselor and later on also a coach that helped me through this period of a very difficult time. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the reason why I call it rocking life comes from that i started rock climbing with my kids about six months ago i have four kids oh nice (laughs) and uh they all love it and rock climbing is a lot like life you know we Mm. do indoor rock climbing and uh, Mm -hmm. it's like you can pick a very easy journey and sometimes life is very easy and it's just breezing Mm -hmm. through but sometimes you can pick like climbing a very difficult journey and you get stuck there and then you have to ask another fellow climber that's more experienced, how do you get past this part of this climb? And you mm. might make it halfway up and you fall down mm-hmm. and you, you tell the fellow climbers, you know, how do you get past this difficult part? And I just can relate to life. You know, when you hit the road bump like divorce, it is a big, difficult rock to get yeah. by. I know that you've also gone through divorce yourself a while mm-hmm. back. I love that analogy. And I've actually been indoor rock climbing. I'm not the greatest at it, <laughs> but I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like even looking at certain, um, I guess the levels are a certain difficulty. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. I can't, I know I can't handle that and I can't do that. And I am a big fan of knowing your limits, right? Yeah. And so sometimes you got to push the limits, but sometimes you have to know your limit too. You know, so I love that analogy of the rock climbing. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very similar to life, and I I think a lot of people they they go into a lot of times a very difficult path in in divorce where mm-hmm. you end up in loneliness. For me, I was extremely lonely. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I think, depression, and, and uh, because it's such a big uh, switch. You know, I was married for twenty years. And then going from okay. being married, have four kids, and then suddenly you're living by yourself and you only see your kids, you know, 10% of the time for me, you know, where you mm-hmm. have shared custody. But um, to be able to move out of that place, and that's why I'm doing this podcast to help people that are in the same situation to be able to mm-hmm. get hope, uh, be like a catalyst to start moving. And, um, mm-hmm. For for you going through the divorce, what was the most difficult things going through divorce for you? Um, I think the most difficult is probably the stigma and yeah. some of the loneliness and the grief. And I think a lot of people often forget that you're grieving, right? Yeah. You, you get married. Nobody gets married to get divorced. Yeah. And uh, when you realize that you have to go through this process, you're grieving everything that you dreamed 
and, and wanted for your marriage. All the hopes and the dreams and the goals and the plans that don't happen, you have to grieve those. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, uh, and some of that loneliness you're feeling is, it's not that you necessarily miss the person. Sometimes you do, but not all the time, but you miss this, this part of you that's married. Yeah. The part of you that identifies as being a spouse. And that for me was really difficult at first. I wasn't married very long, about three years. Um, for me, I felt like long enough. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it was, it was still a challenge coming out of it because you put so much into it and so much, so many goals and all the things that you want that don't happen. And so transitioning out of that was a bit challenging and kind of that starting over phase and kind of looking around like, okay, I've got to start over now. I have to buy all new furniture. I have to, you know, kind of get all the things together. Those were just the logistics that were difficult, but that emotional stuff was really hard too. Yeah. And I also used the analogy of, of mourning uh, because it is a mourning period. You know, you, I, mm-hmm. I mourned the family. I mourned my wife, you know. She was my best mm-hmm. friend, but we did have a very difficult time towards the end. It was definitely a mourning period for several years. And uh, yeah. it, it still is to a certain extent, you know. Uh, I remember when my dad died. He died way too early. He died 20 years ago. And uh, we had an okay relationship. He was very, very nice, but we never really connected on a deeper level. We never talked about emotions and feelings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, starting to become vulnerable and share is absolutely one of the best things I've ever you know, experienced to be able to be myself and not having to pretend mm-hmm. to be somebody I'm not. Exactly. I know one of the things that was so instrumental for me was I read Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection. Oh, yeah. And if you were to like open my book, there are, there's notes, there's highlights, because for me, it just, it brought out everything I was feeling. And, and as a therapist, I work with emotion 24-7, but processing my own was so difficult and I didn't really know what I was feeling. Yeah. I knew I was feeling something. And a lot of it was vulnerability and shame yeah. and recognizing what shame is, is not you've done something bad. That's, that's guilt. But shame is I, I am bad. I am a failure. I am a horrible wife. I'm a horrible person. I'm getting divorced. You know, all of that, all those stigmas. And that book was so, it was life changing for me. It really was because it allowed me to see where I felt shame and release it and let myself be imperfect and let myself lean into authenticity. And so for me, that has been a huge process um, because it's just so difficult. And so going through all of that, that was something that was really profound for me. Yeah. Yeah. Shame is, um, in, in a way for me, I did not understand what shame was really. Going through a divorce, I was so ashamed. And even before uh, the divorce, I was ashamed that my my ex-wife or wife at that time didn't want to go to church with me for the last, uh, you know, maybe the last couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. And then having to, I was trying to pretend to have a good marriage because that was kind of like in the church, you're supposed to have a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. But uh, I completely understand. Going through the divorce, I had so much shame and I didn't know how to deal with it. In, uh, for example, I started the sharing with people. I was flying back and forth to Sweden quite a bit. And okay. uh, I started the sharing with people because I wanted to learn how to connect with people, how to really get to know people. So I started sharing about my divorce. Because mm-hmm. it was the most difficult part of my life. And 
when you share about something that is difficult, a lot of times the other person will open up as well. And mm-hmm. the, we started having these deep discussions on the airplane. And uh, after about a year, probably, I realized the shame is gone. And then mm-hmm. I read Bernie's book. <laughs> and then she said, if you, you know, shame wants to hide, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you're ashamed of, you know, you, you don't want to talk about that. But when you exactly. start talking about what you're ashamed of, shame dissipates. And I realized mm-hmm. that afterwards, that because I had started sharing about the divorce, that shame has just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's something I had to learn as well. And feeling lonely and sh- you know ashamed of what was happening and then talking to people and having mentors. And they're like, no, I'm divorced. I was like, oh, really? Like it was kind of shocking to me. And kind of being able to talk to them and pick their brain a little bit, but not having to sit with it alone, right? Yeah. And that's what Brene talks about is that, you know, for shame, it wants to be, it wants to keep you isolated. But the goal of empathy is to say, me too, I've been there, I know how you feel. Yeah. And that's the antidote for shame, right? Empathy is a thing that lets you know that it's okay. Yeah. That it will be okay. I know that you also coach and counsel mm-hmm. people through divorce. You have the divorce mm-hmm. groups for women. In those groups, mm-hmm. how do you deal with divorce and how do you help them? Can you share some examples? I have to tread a little lightly just because of confidentiality. But of course. One of the things I love about the group and the woman in the group is we, again, use humor so much. Because sometimes you just have to laugh about the craziness. Yeah. And nobody else, nobody else will get it. Unless you, you're really going through it, you don't really get some of the things. And you're just like, is this really my life? Is this really happening? And you kind of have to laugh about it, but then other times having someone to console you and, and comfort you when things are really difficult and having other women who are in the same position or have been there has been so powerful. Um, one of the things that has come up is, a, is personality disorders, right? So narcissism is a big buzzword right now. Everybody talks about being in a relationship with a narcissist. The reality, not everybody's a narcissist. If no. it's unhealthy, doesn't mean they're narcissistic. No, exactly. Maybe they have narcissistic traits or personality disorders or traits of those. Um, but ultimately recognizing certain things and being able to kind of get past them, right? Yeah. And being able to not just give yourself some love, but share that with other women going through the same thing. And that's been really helpful in the group along with kind of that humor piece because nobody else gets it unless you're going through it. Yeah. Being able to relate, I think it's very important. And I think you mm-hmm. have a huge benefit because you have gone through a divorce as well, so you can relate to these women. I think that's a huge benefit. Because uh, yeah. whenever I went through a divorce, I tried to connect. My, my counselor, because I was so lonely, and I had just moved, uh, so I did not have a, a lot of friends. And uh, she mm-hmm. said, reach out to a few people that you trust and uh, mm. share with them your what you're going through. And it wasn't any bashing. It was just telling them you know what i was going through and and sharing my my difficulty and uh out of four people it was two that has gone through divorce before and they i could feel that they totally could relate and uh Mm -hmm. they are so good friends now they're best friends now and Mm -hmm. it's such an awesome thing to have you know in my in my life i don't think i've ever had that close friends ever Mm. where you can like share 
anything mm -hmm. and you just kind of like support each other and help each other. And that's Absolutely. going through divorce. I think that is definitely one of the most important things to have a support when you go through it, because it is so difficult doing it by yourself, mm -hmm. probably more or less Im yes. impossible. I think the frustrating part is you kind of always feel the sense of alone, but even when you have a support system, that they help get you through those moments or they help carry you through those moments. Yeah. And I remember I had a friend who called me every single morning, every morning, never failed, never missed a day. <laughs> Even when she was tired, she yeah. it was my wake up call. Yeah. And, um, she got me through and I, and I realized that I didn't know that kind of intimacy. Yeah. Even after being married, I didn't know an intimacy like that where someone is literally helping to carry you through the really, yeah. like really the toughest part of your life. Oh, that is so experience. good. Yeah, it was, it was very eye-opening to have that moment and that experience where someone is pouring into you and you don't really have it to give to yourself. Yeah. Because um, you expect family to do it. Whether they will or not, it's kind of the expectation. Yeah. But to have a friend who, um, who had also been divorced kind of pour into you and say, you know what, I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to help wow. you through this. Oh, that is so powerful. Life-changing, uh, yeah. And I, yeah. I talked to another coach a couple of weeks ago And she said, sometimes you need to coach them if they haven't gone through a divorce. You know, your friend had gone through a divorce and knew how mm -hmm. difficult it is. But if it's somebody that hasn't gone through a divorce, it might, it, a lot of times it's good to kind of like give them some hints what you want out of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. so, to, to, for example, to be an empathetic listener and uh, to be able to, and, and what I did you know, what do, What do I need? I needed somebody that called me. I didn't want to feel like mm -hmm. I was bothering them. Mm. And I asked mm -hmm. them, you know, a couple of persons, can you call me on a fairly regular basis? That's what I need. Because mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to be a bother. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And you don't want to talk about it all the time because it's you don't want it to be this all-encompassing thing in your life. And so you try not to talk about it all the time and not to tell everybody Yeah. Um, so it's good to have certain people that either call you or check on you that, you know, this is a safe space. This, this is someone I can share this with. That's not going to judge me. That's not going to belittle me or convince me to go back. Or, you know, this is just someone who's really going to be empathetic in a, in a listening ear. And like I said, those are those, the most intimate relationships because you're taking away all these other aspects of intimacy that we have in romantic relationships. Yeah. And it's just about that connection and that vulnerability and, it's really eye-opening to have that as you're going through a really tough time. Yeah. So now are you still, do you still feel lonely or do you still have shame or have you worked yourself through that in your own divorce? I think I have. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is I think when you've gone through divorce, there are things that kind of pop up. It's a grief, right? It's yeah. so a grief will hit you in different, different times, waves. Um, you know, different memories come up. And so it's something I think you work through for a while. Um, but I think as the waves come, it doesn't hurt so much. Yeah. And so, like I said, I laugh about everything, including my divorce yeah. and I make jokes about it all the time. I think it's um, good to be able to have laughter. Laughter heals. It does. And, yeah. and it was definitely a lesson learned. Um, and so I, for me, it just helps me move forward to, learn those lessons, implement them. Um, it's helped me look at what I want in a relationship in my current relationship and how to do things differently 
and not be the old Janika, but a different one. The woman I want to be now in the next five years, the next 10 years, be that version of me. Um, And so it was a a great lesson. It was painful, but it was a lesson that has been very beneficial. So I can't say it was all bad. (laughs) I've definitely learned a lot. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. It's, it was very difficult. But a lot of times when you go through difficulties, you can uh, – I, I always try to find the gold nuggets in the difficult situation mm-hmm. and look on the bright side. And I'm definitely mm-hmm. – the rest of my life will be very different because I went through divorce, thanks to me mm-hmm. going through divorce, because I had to start really working on myself and realizing mm-hmm. that personal growth is something that you have to do every day and realize that – I have to open up. I, I was forced to becoming vulnerable. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the best things that uh, has happened through the divorce is become, being able to be me and not having to yeah. pretend to be somebody I'm not and, and pretending mm-hmm. to other people. And I think that's a, a key also to be able to be open and, and to be able to share in this group, for example, that you have. Mm-hmm. I think that's very powerful. You know, one-on-one coaching is or counseling is good, but I think what, what's your experience? Is it better to do one-on-one coaching for a married person or to do it in a group? For a, someone who's married or someone who's divorced? Divorced. I actually like a little bit of both. I think a combination gives you more support. You get the support of other people, but then in one-on-one, you really get a chance to kind of pull it apart and dive in a little bit deeper than you do in a group therapy session. So. Yeah. I think having a combination works. I've had people who've done both and have, you know, I've watched them really kind of thrive and it, it's hard because, you know, sometimes you're either holding on to hope or it's hard to let go. It's hard to accept and, and everyone's divorce is different. And yeah. so I think that's the beauty of adding the individual component is that it gives you that time and that space to really process it in your own way in whatever way you need to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, you know, I have, a, I had a coach and a counselor and being able to ask somebody all the questions that come up and get wisdom. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when you go through something difficult, there's a lot of fear in oh going God, through yeah. a difficult part. And for me, it was a lot of fear. And mm-hmm. I think that's uh, so good to have somebody else to talk to when you go through a difficult period. Because they can see it a different way, a different perspective. Mm-hmm and bring wisdom into the situation so you can see it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you always need to have multiple people in your corner because they can always give you another perspective of something that you don't see. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they have your back. So they're definitely going to give you a different perspective, but in, in a different type of support, but you want people who can say, you know what, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't text that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, or, you know, how are you feeling and how are you holding up? You always need someone alongside of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, in the groups, when you mm-hmm. when you do the group counseling, do the people interact and support each other as well? Yes. And I think that's the thing with, with group therapy is you kind of assume the therapist has all the answers. And that's not the case, yeah. right? So a lot of times we're learning from our clients just the way that they're learning from us. And I think that's what I love about this group is that it's just an exchange and a sharing of support and emotion and laughter. And you kind of have to joke about some of the stuff, right? Saying, okay, well, we're going to have a divorce party when this happens or or being able to to support one another or ask a question. And everyone else kind of chimes in, not just me. I'm not 
you know, the ultimate expert because everybody's life is different. Everyone's experience is going to be different. Yeah. And so being able to share those things and, and get someone else's opinion, um, and, and maybe someone else knows a little bit more in one area than I do. And I know something else than, than what they know, you know what I mean? And so it, it's, it kind of gives you a really big picture, a full picture when you do it together. Yeah. Similar to uh, when you do a mastermind, a mastermind mm-hmm. is uh, when you have a small group of people and uh, it might be fat five or 10 people, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not one person that is kind of like the teacher. It's one facilitator mm-hmm. to help the group progress and right. uh, asking the right questions. But then the group as a whole is the, the, the mastermind, kind of like the big brain mm-hmm. or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it that helps everybody. I like and I think that's a very powerful way to learn and to grow mm-hmm. in these mastermind Absolutely. groups. And I'm, I'm Absolutely. part of a mastermind group myself. And that is what I'm uh, starting as well for initially a bit more toward men and uh, where mm-hmm. you have a divorce, you know, people that gone through the divorce and wants to move through it in a very good way. I will have mm-hmm. mastermind groups for people to grow together because it's it's mm-hmm. not something that just kind of like you get one coaching session or counseling session, then it's mm-hmm. done. This is a long, it takes a long time. For me, it took several mm-hmm. years to get through it. Yeah. What, what's Absolutely. your experience with, with the women that you work in yourself? I've been working with them, how long has it been now? Almost a year I've had the group running. And one of the things I do like about therapy is it can be longer term. And I've had some people that I'm, helping them process the beginning of their divorce or some people they're at the end and kind of dealing with court and all of that. And I think it, it definitely helps to have the support, but also knowing that you have ongoing support. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I like a, a little bit more about coaching is it's a little bit more intense, right? With therapy, you come once a week or however many times you schedule yeah. with coaching. There's a little bit more interim support, whether it's, Hey, you know, you're sending them a message um, in the middle of the week preparing for the next session, like, Hey, quick question, or this is what's on my mind, or I'm kind of losing it right now. (laughs) Um, and coaching kind of gives the participant a little bit more support than I think traditional therapy does. Um, and so I think with this demographic, when you're going through something this intense and this emotional, you need as much support as you can get. And that's why I like coaching for this model, um, and for this demographic and also kind of getting to the other side. I've had a friend who said to me that she'd gone through therapy, she'd done coaching. And when I mentioned that I was starting coaching, she said, Oh, I love that because I've done therapy and it was great. But then I remember feeling like what's next. And so I think of coaching as the what's next. It's okay. You've already done all the processing. You know how you feel about something or the trauma or kind of what lends itself to what you've gone through. Now, where are we going to take you? What's the goal? And I think a lot of that is creating the life that you want. And, And so that's kind of what I've been working on is helping women to create whatever life they want, learning about healthy relationship skills, um, manifesting things and working in that way with you have the ability to create the life that you want, whether it's your, your career, whether it's a relationship, but you have that ability and to kind of give yourself permission to sit in that space. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the starting point. Yeah. That's very, very good. It's, um, divorce is, um, a roller coaster. It, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've had a tremendous uh, help of being able to call my counselor whenever there is a little bit 
of a, a stormy mm-hmm. season of, of the af- yeah. aftermath of the divorce. And to be able to ask somebody else who has worked through divorces for 20 years and get wisdom. I do it whenever it's stormy. I almost always ask for advice because I know that yeah. my perspective can be very flawed and I mm. might just react emotionally. And I just mm-hmm. learn to to back off and think and not react. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reacting versus responding. And yeah. I have been very reactive before and it never goes well. Yeah. And I've had to learn how to respond and learn, okay, this is a trigger for me. Let me slow down. Let me take a step back and, and address things differently. And that's one of the things I've learned from my divorces now and in my current relationship, how do I respond rather than react? Yeah. And um, what kind of relationship do I say I want and what do I have to do to get there? And so all the things I've worked with couples on and all the skills and the exercises I've had to do, and they are not fun. <laughs> they are difficult when you're in the middle of an argument and kind of being able to stop yourself and say, listen, this is not where I want us to go. Let me, let me take a time out or whatever the skill is and working on that because divorce has taught me I have to do things differently. Yeah. Right. And I have to ask for help and slow things down when I need to. And that it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have that connection and be authentic and be vulnerable and want empathy and be emotional. And there's room for all of it. Yeah, it's just that we have to give ourselves the room. So, can you uh, explain a little bit more in detail about reacting versus responding, and take some so personal think, experience or examples? Uh, so, um, trying to think of a appropriate example. Um, <laughs> take the messiest the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think in one example, I don't really remember what I was arguing about with my ex-husband. And we're just fussing and yelling. And I called him something not so nice, yeah. we'll say. And he took it as an insult against his mother. And I was like, I wasn't talking about your mom. I'm sitting here thinking, what are you talking about? But in that moment, I was like, well, I have to run with it because I can't apologize now. I'm in the middle of an argument. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. I was like, well, forget her too. Like, I'm not doing Like, I wasn't tolerating any of it. And in hindsight, I was like, oh, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And I've learned to say, you know what? I don't even want to argue about this. Not everything has to be an argument. Yeah. I'm not going to say ugly things because that's not who I am. And that's not what I think of you. And so recognizing part of responding is you're preserving what you have. You're, you're saying, I love you enough to not go to this ugly place. Yeah. Whereas reacting is about me and making me feel better. Me being defensive and licking my own wounds. Right. And, I feel attacked, so I want to hurt you back. Yeah. And reacting is doing that in the midst of an argument. And so I've had to learn to respond because responding says it's about us. Whereas before I didn't understand that concept and I didn't understand how to do that in a healthy way. Um, and I made things about me and, and vice versa. So did my ex. And so it just becomes this conflictual thing um, where now I'm, I'm understanding what is it that I need and how to meet my needs in a different way. Oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> now responding relationships you know responding they will teach you lots of things yeah exactly yeah. no this is interesting and big reason why i'm doing the podcast is also to learn myself it's uh, i'm in mm. the middle of it and I, I will be helping other people but i'm going to help myself too through this both Absolutely. podcast and also 
coaching other people. It's you usually say that the teacher is the one that learns the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thank my clients very frequently, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think?" I'm like, "You have taught me so much." Yeah, and I think that's part of being a, a good therapist or a good coach is being open to the process yeah. and understanding this is a relationship. This is an ongoing relationship and a friendship, and you're going to learn just as much from your clients as they as they get from you. Yeah. And it, that's what makes it such a beautiful process. Uh, when it comes to forgiveness, how do you deal with forgiveness, uh, both you personally and also in the group? My personal perspective is um, a lot of people will say, well, forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for yourself. And I don't ascribe to that. I think sometimes if you've done something wrong and you're asking for forgiveness or you think you deserve forgiveness, that means you've done something um, that, that fits that mold. And that doesn't mean that I have to forgive you. That is up to me. That's up to the person who felt wronged. Yeah. Um, I think going through divorce, you have to forgive yourself, right? Cause it's the, how didn't I not see this? Why didn't I know? How could I make this mistake? Um, and so I think you have to forgive yourself, but not everything someone does is worthy of your forgiveness. And I've, in, in the group, we've talked about it actually pretty recently because feeling like I'm supposed to forgive this person. I'm like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. No. If you don't think that you're deserving of your forgiveness, why forgive it? They're sleeping just fine. You're sleeping just fine. I mean, you're, the, the conflict is when you guys talk. So why am I trying to forgive you for something that, one, I don't think you're sorry for and something that still hurts? I, I don't, you have every right to forgive or to not forgive. It depends on how you're feeling about the person or about what happened. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it's this cut and dry thing that a lot of times people make it out to be, or uh, a lot of times I, I felt that way in church. It's like, well, you, you need to forgive. You need to turn the other cheek. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Mm, mm. I struggle with that one. So yeah. I think it's different for everybody. Um, I know some people are like, they're, they're quick to forgive and bless their hearts. I admire them. <laughs> I'm just not there. And, um, I have found that it can be quite stifling. That's what's come up in group is this idea is you feel like you're supposed to forgive. Like not if you don't want to, not if you're not ready to. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about because there there are different views of it. My view is more, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to forgive, uh, for myself, Mm -hmm. uh, because Mm -hmm. I, and also because I'm a Christian and it, it, it says you're supposed to be quick to forgive. Now, mm-hmm. for me, it does. F- forgiveness is instantly, but the feelings are not mm. instantly. Uh, right. I, I, I try always to forgive somebody that offends me instantly for my own sake and to mm-hmm. not have to deal with having bad thoughts about other people because if I haven't forgiven them, there's still tension between me and that other person. That can be. And... Uh, then working through that you also feel that you have mm-hmm. forgiven and continued so there is no tension between you and that other person i think it's important to forgive and i think it's important i think it becomes easier if you're quick to forgive because mm-hmm. the tendency in my experience is that people that or have a difficult time forgiving mm-hmm. carry a lot of this hatred mm-hmm. and one of my best friends he has such a hard time forgiving his ex-wife mm. and had so much hatred and it affected both 
his personal relationships with people and intimate relationships because that colored everything he talked about. It was Mm -hmm. very, very often into this hatred and it's very unhealthy, I think, to Mm -hmm. have this constant bitterness and anger that kind of like just spews out all over the place. You know, I think there's one of the things that isn't really talked about in this with this topic is there's a difference between forgiveness and exoneration. And so forgiveness really is this kind of coming together moment and saying that I forgive you. I'm getting past it. I'm letting it go. But you're it's kind of done together, generally speaking. Right. It's just and you'll see it a lot of times with like legal cases where there's a victim or the victim's family and someone says, I forgive you. And so it's this moment of it's actually a moment of connection, which can be beautiful, but difficult. I think we have to allow there to be space for exoneration that says, I don't want to talk to you. I will learn to let this go. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes you have to recognize people are who they are. I can't change them. I can't force them to be a certain way. I can't force them to apologize or be better, especially in cases of trauma or personality disorders. They are who they are. They've gone through things that have changed them and have rewired their brain to function a certain way. You're never going to get that apology because they, they don't even process it that way. Right. And so you have to exonerate them and recognize this is a product of their trauma. This situation is a product of their upbringing. They're, they're characterologically disordered. I have to let this go for my own health. Exactly. And I think that's an easier place to get to uh, than forgiveness. Cause forgiveness is actually a moment of connection and I don't want to connect. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to do that. I want, I, I wish God's blessings for you over there. But for I, me, I don't want to have this moment with you. You know yeah. what I mean? But for me, uh, forgiveness does, doesn't have to be a connection. You know, I, I don't have okay. to talk to that. that. That's how I see it. Uh, if, if somebody offends me. So it's me, more exoneration. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody offends me and calls me something, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. over to that person and, and say, you need to ask for forgiveness. No. I, I forgive <laughs> you and then I go on. I, I'm not affected okay. by that, the, that word. It's vibrations in the air. And he said something, mm-hmm. maybe he just felt very bad that day and whatever. Yeah. But a lot of people, they get very affected and they, they say, okay, that person is evil. And they can start talking about it and they, they, they profess this, this uh, mm-hmm. uh, unforgiveness. And it just and becomes a vicious, vicious cycle. It is. And even in, in divorce and something is so deeply personal, we have to stop taking everything so personal. Yeah. We take everything so, so personal. And the reality is people say and do things when they're feeling some type of way, when they're hurting, when they're having a hard time. And it's not always about us. Yeah. It's most things that we deal with in life are not actually about us. And we make them about us. And that's where we're like, oh, I'm so offended. And it's, well, I don't know why. No one's done anything to offend you. They're working through whatever they're working through. This is on them. Let them deal with it. Yeah. Let it go. And it's, it, I've noticed this, especially with divorce, it's hard, right? Especially when things, um, when there are kids involved, when, oh, someone says one thing to the kids and, well, I would, that, that's between them. That, it may not be the right thing to say. Make no mistake. There is a right and a wrong, but it doesn't always have to be such a personal offense to us. And that's, I think, where you get that anger and that hatred. If we take everything so personal, things that aren't personal, we take personal. And it, it creates this almost like, um, almost like mold or fungus, it just kind of grows and festers. Like you said, that hatred and that anger kind of does that in our lives. And it doesn't have to. I think if we stopped taking so personally, we wouldn't have to forgive so much. Yeah, exactly. 
but uh, then if you do forgive on a regular basis, it doesn't build up either. Mm -hmm. And that's where mm -hmm. I'm coming from, wanting to always uh, not have a bunch of unforgiveness in mm -hmm. my life. Because mm -hmm. my, my experience is that people that have a hard time forgiving, that just keeps building up. And it becomes like a big snowball. It can. Yeah, it if, can. If you don't handle it. And I think that's a detriment for the person that hasn't forgiven, not mm -hmm. the other people. It can be. Um, but I think it depends on what it is, right? I think you have some people who struggle to, to forgive in general. Yeah. Um, and everything that has been an offense to them, they, they just hold on to it so tightly. Yeah. And I think those are the people we're talking about exactly. that um, take things so personally and just hold on yeah. to it. And those individuals, you, you got to let stuff go. Like not everything is what we're making it out to be, right? Um, versus when you've really been hurt. Sometimes you have to work up to forgiveness. And I think the bigger yeah. the issue, sometimes you have to work up to it. Yeah. But that's not like every, that's like a one, that's one big thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to round off this podcast. It was so fun talking to Janique. And uh, uh, I just wanted to ask one last question. Do you have anything, any advice for somebody that's sitting at home right now, listening to this podcast, and they're feeling lonely, they're depressed, and uh, in the, you know, maybe recently gone through a divorce, or maybe it's been a year or two, but they've gotten mm -hmm. into a vicious spiral what would your mm. advice be for that person? I think there's so many different emotions that come with it, whether you're in early stages or at the end or post-divorce. Um, the first thing I tell everybody that I meet that's going through divorce is rule number one, the person you married is not the person you're divorcing. And likewise, the person you were then is not the person you are now. There's so yeah. much more room for growth and happiness and glowing and thriving. And you can create that. Right? That's the beauty is that you have a whole lot of freedom to be whoever you want to be and create the life that you want. And the world's kind of your oyster. And so you can create the happiness that you want and you can create the love and the life and the success that you want. You just have to give yourself permission to do that and take that step. Oh, that's good. I really like that as an <laughs> ending of this podcast. <laughs> Seriously. And it was a pleasure having you on the show Thank here. Thank you so much. So this is a Rocking Life podcast. We send every Monday and... Uh, uh, we interviewed both people that have gone through divorce, but also people that help people that are going through divorce to hear their keys and gold nuggets, how to, to manage this and move through this. So I'm so happy you're, you were with us. <laughs> <laughs>